。Welcome back to Roots to Grooves here on Signal with me, Jay Purcell. Yeah, I'm Jesse Quigley. What's up, everybody? What's going back, on? Back again. It's、uh, 90 degrees in Seattle right now. It's hot. And, It's、uh, hot. And、uh, I, I just thought I'd wear sunglasses because you're wearing sunglasses. It's the sunglass episode. And,、uh, First one. Channeling some of that Budos band energy from a few episodes back. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are bad. They're good. We were just saying they're coming to Seattle in、uh, later this year, 2021. So we're going to have to go see that, I think. Yeah. That'll be cool. We're going to get tickets after, this,、uh, after the recording of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Uh, episode that I'm pretty、uh, excited about. Jay? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to like this episode. Do you think so? I think so. <laughs> And、uh, yeah, we're talking about Fink, F I N K,、um, AKA Finn Greenall. Yeah. He's、uh, the, the main guy behind this project. And I mean, would you call it a band? It's mostly a, a solo singer songwriter type project, but、yeah. it's almost a band. Almost a band. He has、like、a couple of guys、um, that play with him、right. live and on the records now.、Um, uh, uh, I think a bass guitarist. And then a drummer. And a drummer.、Um, yeah. So yeah. They're, they're, they're there. And、um, yeah, I guess his music is.、Um, Uh, kind of acoustic y, folky, folky, indie with some kind of groovy elements in there,、mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because he has a, a trip hop electronic music background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of went the opposite of a lot of artists. Yeah. Kind of starting singer songwriter and going to more electronic as they grow. Do the opposite he, way around. Yeah, he was a yeah. DJ. Yeah. So he has yeah. some, yeah, it's like DJing, electronic stuff, and he moved to a singer songwriter, folky vibe, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. It makes some really good music. Definitely, yeah. That's very、um, soulful. Is it, is it chill wave to you sounding? I wouldn't say chill wave, chill wave, but wave. Un- under the folky umbrella,、yeah. it's chill wave. Yeah. Under that bubble. Right. I,、yeah. I could say, I could、yeah. go as far to say that, Jay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, you know,、yeah. call it what you want. Genre is getting more and more. Blurred.、Uh, divisive these days. Yeah, it's getting yeah. blurred. Yeah. Nothing means anything anymore. <laughs> it's just music now, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this guy's super awesome. Very、um, inspiring.、Yeah. Very, I don't know, emotionally evocative、yeah. with his lyrics, with、yeah. his, his mindset, his perspective,、yeah. um, and the, the tunes that he creates. Yeah. It's, it's very good. It's very, it's very deep. Some of it's kind of dark.、Mm. Yeah. I don't want to say it's not like dark heavy, but emotionally heavy. Um, and, he, and he communicates that with the, with the music. Yeah. There's some electronic、um, influence in these tracks. Yeah, for sure. I would、yeah. say, but it's, yeah, mostly like more similar to like Nick Drake.、Mm, yeah. Or,、uh, you know, somebody like that. Yeah. It's yeah. Straight up folky. Yeah.、Um, yeah, but this guy's really cool.、Yeah. I, I didn't know who this guy was.、Um, this is Jay's pick for the week. Yeah, another one of those old uh, uh, artists, although it's kind of interesting for me because. Uh, and I was just trying to find it. Fink came out with his first album in 2000 called Fresh Produce. And、uh, we'll put the album cover up on the screen now if you're watching the video. There it is.、Um, which is,、uh, and, I was, and I had a vinyl copy of it, but we moved into here and we just were rifling through the stacks of records and we couldn't find it. It's got to be around somewhere. That's fair. 
But um, yeah, but like the cover is kind of like graffiti-ish kind of like looking. And uh, and the music itself is very sort of like DJ Shadow sort of style, mm-hmm. like sample-based beats, all instrumental, n- nothing really like Fink's uh, subsequent work. There's no singing. He's not singing on can, it. Can this one be found on Spotify, for example? I found um there is a listing if you google it not if you like actually go and look at fink on spotify and right look at his discography you can't see it there but um and like not all of the tracks are on there for some reason hmm. there's only hmm. like two available tracks on there it's not on his Bandcamp either because uh, i know some artists uh, do that uh it's not on youtube i thought at least someone would have uploaded something yeah so come on guys <laughs> So it's crazy. It's kind of like he's trying to erase that um, first thing a little bit, or maybe he's not. Maybe it's a sample clearance copyright issue, or again, it's a label like issue. That, a label issue. But that did originally come out on Ninja Tune as well. There's another Ninja Tune guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like, yeah, what I was saying. Like, um, yeah, it was like back in those days when I was listening to a lot of artists from Ninja Tune, and it was in that same era where era where I was listening to starting to get into DJ Shadow, mm-hmm. like the early two thousands, and um, another guy from Bristol. Yeah, uh, or no, GJ Shadows from uh, California. Or I mean, I mean, uh, Finn Greenwald though. Oh, I think Finn, he, yeah, he's, he's from Bristol. Or he at oh, least grew up. Grew up in Bristol. Yeah, born he's, in Cornwall. That's right. Yeah, he's Cornish. Cornish. Is that what they say? Not corny though. He's not corny. He's not corny. He's not a, a corny. <laughs> if you're born in Cornwall, you're a corny. No. He's, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and yeah, but I think he grew up in Bristol. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, yeah, so I like I did I. I think I might have had a CD copy as well of the first one, or just maybe the vi- I think it was the vinyl because I, I pick I went back home to the UK and I and I retrieved it and brought it back to the states. So it's around somewhere. Ooh. I did that a few years ago, um, but it was weird. And then I and then a few maybe like five or six years ago, I started to see Fink come up in my my YouTube suggestions and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, he's really good. Oh, it's on the engine chain. Cool. I didn't connect the dots that because I completely forgot that about Fink's first thing. Oh, I, f- um, I figured maybe you saw a list of Ninja Tune artists and were like, oh, this guy must be good too if I like yeah, these other artists. Yeah, maybe. I think it was like, um, actually, you know what? Crazy long story. I think like my dad was doing some like film project and he reached out to Ninja Tune and asked them, like, um, do they have any music that they'd like to submit? For this like documentary project he was working on mm. and they sent like a stack of cds kind of thing um of various things and i think one of them was fink nice or it might have been a few tracks on a compilation they had out and stuff like that so that was like yeah and then but i didn't connect the dots when i started seeing the youtube videos of him the fink performing with two other guys uh, where it's just like acoustic it's just acoustic it's like acoustic bass guitar acoustic electric guitar Maybe like some percussion. Acoustic electric guitar? Acoustic, <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, that sounds acu- interesting. Acoustic guitar? <laughs> no, but that makes sense. It's acoustic funny because it makes guitar. sense. Yeah. Well, you might be one. Yeah, because you can get those acoustics that you plug in. No, for sure. And it's 100% electric. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly like an electric guitar. Not exactly, obviously, but yeah, yeah. it's quite electric. But um, I use batteries. But yeah, I didn't connect the dots because I was like, it was completely different music. And then I was like, oh, shit, okay, it is the same guy. Like, I went and searched the first album again. So It's Finn. Yeah. And so there's like a, there's a whole backstory to um, the change in music kind of thing. And so for the viewers out there and listeners, if you are able to try and track down 
Fresh Produce, the very first Fink album, and listen to some of that, those tracks, and then even listen to his first like official album after that. Um, you'll hear it's completely different sort of direction kind of thing. Maybe that's why he doesn't want it as promoted and out yeah, published maybe. right now. Maybe. It's like, mm. maybe, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little, it is a little old, self-conscious, you know, my first work. 21 years old. I don't like it. So, um, and yeah, and I think it was, uh, so he'd been DJing for years and making this sample-based music. And then he started to just get disillusioned with um, the whole scene kind of thing. What, um, what do you think you mean by that? I read that as well. You yeah. just didn't emotionally connect with that scene? I think um, like one of the things he was saying here is that... Um, it started to get like go into the mainstream, um, like DJ culture started to spill over into the mainstream, where he said like Spice Girls had a DJ in their video, and McDonald's had a DJ skateboarder in one mm. of their ads, and that, and uh, like his parents starting to realize that he was a DJ, and so it like started to not be cool for him anymore. Gotcha, that makes sense. Yeah, and um, and so he said he quit DJing and electronic music production in 2002, and. Uh, and then he, he just started going out um, to a lot of live shows and getting back into like the live music scene again and just became um, inspired by what was happening around at that time. Uh, he said a few artists, Jose Gonzalez, do you know that guy? He, no, sounds... He's really good. He released an album called Veneer. Um, I think he might be Spanish. Um, he was really big in, around that time, early 2000s UK. And it's very, it's kind of similar. It's like, it's acoustic guitar, like real sort of lo-fi mm-hmm. kind of, but really chill sort of thing. Kind of like Zero Seven. I think uh, Jose Gonzalez did a collaboration with Zero Seven as well. Do you know Zero Seven? No, I don't. They're, uh, uh, I know Double O Seven. You know Sia? Yeah, the singer Sia. Yeah. yeah. I think she first came to light because she was on the first Zero Seven album. Like oh, okay. quite a few tracks kind of thing. Um, yeah, Zero Seven's kind of like jazzy, down-tempo, trip-hop, live sort of stuff. Almost a little bit like Air, but not quite. Bonobo-esque. Bonobo-esque, yeah, yeah. Cool, which is good. Um, but yeah, so it was like, you know, he was, he was doing that. And actually, like, crazy thing for Fink as well. He said he, he did a little collaboration with Amy Winehouse before she got signed when she was like 17 years old, uh. He was like helping to like write and produce a couple of demos and stuff like that, and he said that gave him the inspiration. Uh, that all that experience inspired him even more mm-hmm. to further his own songwriting because he said that you know she wasn't um, like you know this sort of Britney Spears pop act kind of thing. He said she was someone that had like raw talent and it was all about the voice kind of thing, and you know, and then. He said just working with her on, on those compositions kind of thing really gave him a fresh lease on life mm-hmm. versus just, you know, being stuck away on your computer and clicking the mouse for hours on end to, like, create. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah, one of the things I, I like about this guy, Fink, is yeah. he's, he's really, like, introspective and really, um, like, has, has a lot of integrity with what he wants to do. He doesn't want to do things that are just mainstream because he wants to become famous or because that's what's going to get him to the next level of, um, fame or success, yeah. whatever that means. Yeah. Um, but he just wants to, you know, do something that he feels is real yeah. and is really communicating with his audience 
whoever that was at the time, yeah. even if it's just himself. I feel like this is a guy who's making music for himself and he wants to kind of prove something to himself. Mm. Um, and in that way, that's what he's kind of presenting and sharing with us. So it's really cool. I like this guy's mindset, where he's coming from. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, yeah, we can just dive in any facts we got about his, his childhood. Because his dad was a folk artist. Right, was he? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I know there was a story about um, his dad had this old, was it Martin acoustic guitar? Mm-hmm. And he said something along the lines of like, everything in this house is everybody's except this guitar. You can't touch that. But like, can't. No <laughs> it must have been nice. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would have touched it. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe he did secretly, like, you know. Ding. Yeah, exactly. Knock it over in the night in the yeah. dark. <laughs> no. So I'm twanging guitar. Yeah. Sound wasn't me, Dad. It wasn't me. <laughs> um. Yeah, but it sounded like he did have a musical household because of that. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, so I think he was brought up on a lot of stuff. Like there's another yeah. name, John Fahi Faho. Mm. So I have a note of it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Another a, a folky artist. I think. Something yeah. like that, Fahi. Okay. And then I think Nick, Nick Drake was somebody he was he was also yeah. pretty familiar with growing up. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. So I mean, he was a skateboarder. He was a punk. Right. Didn't have a email or a phone. Yeah. yeah. Just had a couple bucks in his pocket. Right. And yeah. a love of music. It's kind of funny how uh, Simon Green from Bonobo had that similar thing. Mm-hmm. Just into Dead Kennedys and skating around and yeah, he was free, free, yeah. punky. <laughs> With the whole world ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we got into music. He got into DJing. Yeah. Getting Specifically, into- basically, and to the point where he was DJing internationally. Yeah. And I think at the time, early on, he was, um, you know, late teens, um, DJing, and his his day job was working for a music label. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think doing some, you know, whatever, you know, grunt work or Admin curation stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back of house. Yeah, and I think that's kind of probably how he, uh, like, through that DJ scene, um, coming across, like, the guys from Ninja Tune and stuff like that. But he said he was, yeah, in London. Yeah, I think he was, he was working for Ninja Tune. Yeah. And he was hanging out with those guys, so he was right in that mix. Yeah. Um, but he also worked with Virgin's Source, Def Jam, and Sony, like, in London, like, the London. So he got in with some, of those things. a yeah. good crowd early on. Yeah, yeah. And, um. Yeah, and then on the side of that, he was like pursuing remixes mm-hmm. um, for different people and DJ sets. Um, like Elbow, do you know of Elbow? No. They're a pretty good band. We should maybe talk about them one day as well. I feel like they're kind of big though, like Radiohead big, but you haven't heard of them, so. That, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that like, says something about my or like knowledge. LCD sound system big, that kind of level. They're, that's pretty big. Yeah, I think so. Okay, then maybe I just... Yeah. I must have heard it, and I'm like, why are they talking about elbows? Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, not even going to pay attention. I have an elbow. I have two. I have two. I don't need another one. And yeah. two knee elbows. Is that, is that elbow of the leg? The leg elbow. Yeah. Uh, otherwise known as the knee. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't know. Hey, potato, potato, <laughs> Jay. Uh, so th- then he, this guy moved up to college around the same yeah. time, late teens. He went to Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where he said he discovered the, more of the stuff. Leeds University. That kind of opened up his mind musically, sharing with peers. Yeah. I'm guessing. I spent a lot of time up there. Um, must have been like probably 10 years after him or, or more than that. I had some friends that went to University of Leeds and uh, a lot in the music scene as well. These guys putting on like DJ nights and club nights and that. There's a lot of good venues up there. 
think. I saw Black Alicious playing Leeds. Nice. I saw DJ Shadow playing Leeds. Nice. Yeah. I think, but, yeah, I had a list of clubs like Back to Basics. Have you yeah, ever heard of it? I haven't, no. Uh, up Your Ronson. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I up, just up Your Ronson. Up Your Ronson. <laughs> That's a venue name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are venue names. And Vague. Okay. Vague. That's a decent club yeah, name, yeah, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, da 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 da. Yeah, I don't know, but he was he was he was channeling this, these sounds of London, mm. these newer electronic sounds coming out of London. Yeah, um, and he was trying to you know he had these West Country vibes because he this I mean yeah back to the geographies, um, mm-hmm. what is it Cornish Corn Cornwall Cornwall yeah. it's kind of a a rustic rural neighborhood yeah. Yeah. Uh, region region yeah by so, um, the coast it's like southwest sort of okay yeah. so kind of coastal southwest but it's yeah. kind of country. Yeah. I think he has yeah, even a, a little bit of some country vibes. Yeah, yeah. Or country influence. Yeah, there's a lot of countryside. It's actually a gorgeous area of the UK. Yeah, like, seems. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to go visit one day. Yeah, yeah definitely. Do a little tour. Got my passport photos last year, so <laughs> getting close. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's basically his, you know, he was a punk skateboarder. Yeah. Loved music, had a background in music with his family. Yeah. Father was a folk singer. Yeah. Started getting into electronic music, started DJing, started working for a music label. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just doing the work, getting the influence, yeah. and uh, you know, doing it. Yeah. Unless, do we have any other cool facts about his early life? Uh, I think honey, it covers it. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, bit. basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so well, for a little bit of interlude, um, before we talk about his first, well, his. I think he would consider his first album of the new direction was uh, the one called Biscuits for Breakfast, which came out in 2006. Um, but his first first album, full length, was called Fresh Produce, as we mentioned earlier, 2000. I just want to spin a little bit of this so we can have a little bit of context. Yeah, that'd be great. Before I did not listen album. to that album. Cool. All right. This is called uh, Ever Since I Was a Kid, Part 1. Ever since I was a kid, it seemed I collected something. At one time, it was comics and magazines about sports. Then, when I was 16, I started collecting jazz records. Very vibey, very good. Vibey, down tempo, trip hoppy. It is a little chill wavy. Instrumental hip hop ish. Yeah. Break beaty. It's very of that era. A lot of cool sort of vibes like that happening in early 2000s, I think. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I guess during that time, um, he was rediscovering a lot of his dad's old records. Mm, yeah. And that's kind of. I, I don't know uh, as far as the timeline specifically of when this was happening as far as when that album was made yeah 
that's where I'm a little fuzzy, but all yeah. kind of a wish-wash area of this time yeah. of his life. Yeah, yeah. This is what's going on. And I guess he had a, I'm not sure which track it was, but he had a track that ended up synced in a movie. Mm. And that gave him like a like six months of success, at least financial success, where he could, uh, you know, yeah. ride that wave and have money to, to get by. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was around the time when he worked with Amy Winehouse, then right. an unknown artist, singer. Yeah, yeah. And so he started writing with her he found and not just providing beats and having somebody sing on it he started working with her and and realized like oh i could this this is not a dark art that <laughs> you have to have some kind of special skill or sell your soul like anybody could do this yeah and he, i think that's around the same time he started to realize that i can go a different way he saw a lot of different bands um in his circles and in his city yeah in those in the scene yeah yeah um you know trying spending a lot of money and failing yeah, yeah. And, and ultimately you know succumbing to the harshness of the industry and and life and and yeah. not being able to continue making their music as as they wanted yeah um so he said like i can go a different way yeah and i think that was kind of the the genesis for him finding his singer songwriter yeah, yeah way and then the other thing i would say is i i'm not sure exactly when he got signed with ninja tune but he was obviously in these circles working with these guys mm-hmm. and they he started working on this new kind of singer songwriter stuff and basically they were like okay if, if you're gonna go singer songwriter it should be like all or nothing yeah like let's not mix the two let's either you know dj and do electronic stuff yeah or like go that different route yeah and they trusted him to do it yeah yeah. and they followed him yeah and which, they w- which he said was great advice as well for him kind of thing on that aspect um yeah and yes sort of sort of backtrack a little bit yeah he had been on ninja tune for a while he'd released like like a 12 inch single and maybe a, another one kind of thing mm-hmm. um like 1997 was his very first release with them kind of thing okay cool and uh but like uh yeah so then when he had this epiphany around 2002 that he wanted to go in a new direction um he actually you know started working on some material and wrote a whole album and then he said it was shit. You <laughs> didn't like it? And he like dumped it. Yeah, he didn't even let play it to the guys in the chain, I don't think. And that's yeah. never seen the light of day? No. Yeah. That's so, gone. There's probably great stuff gone. on there. Yeah, well who knows, you know? I don't know. But um and then he and then he said as he started working on material for what became like his, you know, a second album, Biscuits for Breakfast. Um he said it took him a while. Um he said because uh, it's basically six years between that first release some of which we just heard Mm -hmm. and and biscuits for breakfast and so within that time period yeah he was like working with amy winehouse he'd like had that sync thing that you said on the movie he'd uh been to a bunch of shows getting inspired again but it was actually um not until he met the other two musicians that play with him which i found their names guy whittaker on bass respect and tim thornton on drums Nice. Um, he said he'd known them for a while, but but they hadn't like collaborated on any music together. Mm-hmm. And so they started doing that and found found some cool stuff like through through playing together. But they said it, when they from when they first started, it took them like two years to like really figure out like what they were going to do, kind of thing. Um, until they yeah finally got material together for for this album and uh and he actually like lied to ninja tune um about the singer um aspect um because oh. he was like this stuff is cool enough to play them now but he was also like 
he didn't want to let them know that it was him singing on the tracks partly because he's i think he had a little bit still at that point sort of self-consciousness about his abilities as a singer going that new direction yeah. right 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 so he kind of wanted to give them the chance to like say something like oh this is good but you need to find a new singer or something like that uh-huh. <laughs> and um and they liked it but but he so but he said he made up this whole story that it was like some artist that he'd met in america um and was developing like and he and he's like oh he's really cool and he looks like brad pitt and stuff like that it's <laughs> so like you know sort of like big in this fictional character up to ninja tune to make them feel like oh, okay you know maybe this is marketable or something like that which isn't far <laughs> off from what many artists do for themselves creating an alter yeah persona true. yeah you know and yeah. anyway yeah don't mean to interrupt oh no no that's that's totally true and uh and then um yeah they liked it so much and i was like okay yeah we want to meet this guy and then and then fink was like okay it's actually me like you know it's me singing welcome <laughs> yours <Good> truly you. <laughs> um i so, look like brad pitt right I yeah, know, yeah i know i know yeah and that's so, awesome that's cool that's a cool story yeah so all that backstory and then he said they were still even though they liked the music they were still nervous about putting it out because this label has been known for like dj music sample based music and, right and now he here he is with his singer rock songwriter stuff and uh he said they were still nervous until they did the accounting for all the sales of the album and then they were like cool with it because apparently it sold sold pretty well and didn't put them in the hole or anything like that so nice um they've kind of embraced that and, and maybe that's kind of a good thing for ninja sheen as a label as well like they've since kind of expanded their roster of artists mm-hmm. they're still very much in that sort of electronic dj culture but right. they have a but they're artists you know people like bonobo and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know um this sort of open hitting up. some slightly different niches yeah exactly. within that bubble yeah 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 that's cool because i mean yeah his, his his list of influences are diverse like uh john martin hmm. is another guy um dick Gagan, I don't know. Gagan, Gahan. These some obscure names. I, I know. Have to, are Those, these folk artists? Or like, I think or, they're folk artists. Yeah. And then a couple more that I have that we could recognize as Radiohead. Yeah. I heard Radiohead on the ray, way here today. Nice. Uh, Tech. Cool. Is that what is that? Is that a new thing? No, that's a an old one off Kid A. Uh, okay. Cool. But uh, it, great, great tune, but kind of a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe for the radio. So yeah, yeah. I haven't heard it on the radio ever. So I was excited. Yeah. Uh, but System of a Down interesting yeah. so yeah you know guys like this or, yeah. or bands like that yeah so he's he's all over the place the electronic stuff obviously radiohead's electronic and yeah. i don't know system of a down have electronic stuff they're more rock uh yeah more alternative I'm, i haven't really i know of them i've definitely heard their music i can't recall anything off the top they're of my cool head, they're but, sick yeah. i don't know what to call them though yeah, yeah. but anyway yeah. yeah so i mean yeah like you said 2002 was when he got synced up with that yeah started going on this new yeah. path and uh, should we go to the next album? Yeah. Let, Where are um, we at? Let's play a little bit of off of um, Biscuits of, for Breakfast. Okay. This uh, is album number two. Yeah, album number two, but kind of like the reset album for the new direction. Like the new number one. Yeah, the new number one. Um, and I think this is the first track, Blueberry Pancakes, or maybe not the first. Oh, oh no, <laughs> sorry. Pretty Little Thing. Okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm ahead of myself oh. already over here. Um, yeah, this is pretty cool. And... Uh, you can hear the influence a little bit from his previous album, mm-hmm. but this is very cool. There's some cool melodies and that guitar is up here. So yeah, spin this pretty little thing. 
When she leaves, she's just asking to be followed. When she walks out, all she wants is to be left. Oh no, hot little thing. Hot little thing who knows it Don't suppose it would be cool if we hung out Hung out Hung out Little beatbox at the end there, yeah, yeah, top yeah, it yeah. off, yeah, there cherry you go. on top it's, uh, To me that sounds like a whole mishmash of different influences But it all comes together this nice so little catchy song. Chill and groovy. Yeah. Like yeah. the little bass. There's like those that Hammond organ. Like yeah. Soul. Yeah. Yeah. In there. I mean stabs. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple like really like, yeah. like yeah. just percussive almost. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. Well his guitar his acoustic guitar playing to me is very uh percussive and rhythmic sounding as well though, mm -hmm. right? You can hear it in that, obviously, like he's tapping between yeah, the Yeah, he's he's hitting it more than he's strumming. Yeah. Basically, and I kind of you can kind of see that as well in a lot of um, his live clips. Um, there's a few of them out there on YouTube. Some just by himself. Some with the other two guys. Um, uh, like, but he's very, very rhythmic and percussive on the guitar, which is really cool. And those little riffs he has just just sounds everything sounds catchy to me. Like, yeah, no, cool. it flows really well yeah, yeah. with all these little elements creating yeah. this beat. Yeah, I, I like how he's he's bringing that element of bringing a beat. Mm -hmm. with these folky instruments yeah, or yeah. more you know i don't know instrumentation or soul or rock instrumentation yeah. into his songwriting yeah, yeah i was thinking it's interesting you know what's what's the beat what's the song because mm -hmm. there's kind of a difference you could have a sick beat but no song mm -hmm. and you could have a song yeah. that doesn't necessarily have a beat attached to it yeah, yeah. and yeah. i don't know if it's arguing semantics or uh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitions yeah if it's just a matter of vocabulary, but I think there's a difference between a beat and a song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's, he's bringing those both together. And I think that's kind of one of the coolest things I find about this artist. Yeah. He's bringing the electronic beat making yeah. and then the singer songwriter songwriting yeah. and putting those together and coming up with some really cool stuff. Yeah. And I think it really helps with like his, the other musicians he's working with. Like, I think they're really providing a lot of, um, you know, their own input into that songwriting mm -hmm. process it's more like a band vibe you know where you know even though he's releasing it under his own name like i think in that you can really hear the influence from the bass player and from the drummer like, yeah there's a couple of those bass lines just sliding way up for no reason really <laughs> you know just ding, ding. yeah i love that sound though the sound the tone of that bass yeah no me too it's like deep and sobby kind mm -hmm. of like yeah yeah i think it's a really great mix i mean this is yeah. one of the first artists that i've really been like turned on by how they're doing electronic-y yeah. folk yeah. and it's not either right but it's both yeah. it's something new that's what yeah. he's doing yeah. that's fink yeah and i mean so you know that album biscuits for breakfast was the reset and you know since then they've just been fucking pumping out album after a great album really. yeah so like, we haven't said know? he's he has yeah. over like 10 albums yeah uh, uh, well, his, yeah a lot of live 
things in there. I think there's like six or seven maybe studio albums, and then that's true. The You're rest, right, Jay. The, I think I take I, it back. I didn't count them all, so I don't know. But like, uh, yeah, some of them are like live versions, which um, some people I don't know. There's yeah, yeah studio yeah. album, live album. Some yeah. people count those. Count some them as some, some people yeah. don't. I I wouldn't. But for the yeah. purposes of just telling our audience. Yeah, yeah. I guess I just jumped to conclusions. So I'm sorry, everybody. I take it back. I guess in no. terms of original songs, like if you get a new right. album, it's like, that song was on that lot. No. Yeah. <laughs> Bogus, what did I pay for? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, they've done a lot of that. They've done um, like sort of collaborations of orchestras as well. Um, crazy big shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what was that orchestra? What were they? I think there was an I wrote it down somewhere. Orchestra in Amsterdam, I think. And uh, they had a conductor... I think the conductor was from the Heritage Orchestra, which is a different thing. But I think he was working with this Amsterdam-based orchestra. Um, yeah, so like all and, of that. And just I don't know if it's a side note, but um, he he was he releasing music under something called Frontside Bluntside. Maybe I heard a different uh, name. He he still releases the occasional electronic thing under the name of Sideshow. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, sideshow, and that's kind yeah. of a yeah. separate project, yeah. but like a side project. I haven't been able to locate that material just yet. I guess that's a good name for a side project, sideshow. Sideshow, yeah. Clever, <laughs> clever, yeah. Fink. I see you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, supposedly picking up the tempo a little bit on that and leaning more towards like deep dubby techno, yeah, minimalist techno, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I also didn't listen to that, but that's what I was reading about. Yeah. Um, I guess he had two EPs under the name Sideshow. Okay. Um, on a Will Saul, I don't know, if, I don't recognize that name, but Will Saul's Simple Records, right? Um, label. Yeah, I saw so, that as well. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, I guess it, yeah. Um, and I guess that guy Saul and Fink Greenall, mm-hmm. um, Finn Greenall, started the successful Oss music I'm, I'm struggling to say all these words i don't know how to pronounce <laughs> how do you spell that a-u-s mm. i don't know if that was, was australian i don't think that would be australian no it's some kind of like aju unless soul is australian is he i don't know yeah i'm yeah. <laughs> we don't know here just dropping the ball in this research i guess <laughs> just saying random stuff uh but yeah they I guess they, they formed this label either way in 2006 which became successful yeah um but at that point fink had already kind of gone his singer songwriter route yeah, yeah. Um, you know, largely, you know, abandoning electronic, heavy yeah. electronic elements in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, yeah, Tim Thornton, Guy Whitaker, yeah. his band. What else we got? I mean, at this point, he's just touring, yeah. making albums, making live albums and releasing them and just kind of in his flow state as a, as a group, yeah. as an artist. Yeah. And, and, you know, just coming into himself and creating his discography that we know today. Yeah. Um, and some cool things have happened along the way. Um, one of his albums, Distance in Time. Uh, 2007. Caught, yeah, 2007. Caught the ear of John Legend. Um, and uh, he uh, approached Fink and wanted to write with him. And so, he, yeah, he went and did that. And That's epic. I think from John Len- Legend's album, Evolver. Um, uh, Fink co-wrote the song Green Light which featured Andre 3000 oh I didn't see that that's yeah, cool which is crazy shit 
I'm gonna have to listen to that one. Yeah, and then um, and then John Legend reciprocated by uh, featuring on Fink's 2009 album, Sort of Revolution. Um, and on that album, uh, Fink decided to go back to doing some of the production duties because I think on some of these albums he's had other producers come in and work on stuff. Mm-hmm. And like his most recent albums, he's working with a guy called Flood. Um, hmm. Look too much into him but that's a cool name flood it's like yeah, flood it produced this album <laughs> that's a big that's a powerful name <laughs> it is yeah i'm kind of scared kind of scared yeah um another cool thing um i'm sort of skipping around these albums because he's no wait, there's too so, much to so much to for do, sure like in chronological audio mm-hmm. but um uh, perfect darkness which is his album in 2011 played that title track perfect darkness at the beginning of the right. show and that yeah that's where i did that's the first one i listened to oh cool so that's yeah. where i kind of discovered this um yeah they said for that album uh they decided to just start writing the tracks from jams just by jamming with the three of them right yeah i noticed that so they'd have like yeah. a 20 minute long jam yeah yeah multiple times and then you know go back and listen to it and take yeah Ooh, look at that that 30 seconds yeah that was sick let's make a tune out of that yeah that's what they said for per- the song perfect darkness they said it was a it was like one uh riff one bass line out of a 20 minute jam which is they captured the magic to create the song out of kind of thing that's cool and and he said yeah they did about 30 of these like 20 minute jams um and, and that's how that was the genesis of the material for the songs for the album perfect darkness so that's great different way of working um i'm guessing he was just working the three of them was it so they were jamming with the three of them and then once they figured out uh the pieces that they wanted to put together into songs they actually actually went to la um teamed up with a producer called billy bush who apparently has been like an engineer a mixer for stuff like garbage the naked and famous but who did you say his name is billy bush Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, he's also produced Beck. Oh, cool. And yeah. garbage. Yeah, yeah, garbage. Yeah. But he's not a garbage producer. <laughs> he's good. <laughs> well, he is a garbage producer. Yeah. Uh, and we're all garbage producers. Recycle in one way or the other. Recycle. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I produce a lot of garbage. Reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> yeah. So he's a garbage producer. He's a garbage producer, <laughs> and he's not a garbage producer. So that makes all, sense. All to, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, he's also done stuff with Foster the People, Muse. So, you know. Dope. I've seen Foster the People live. They're cool. Oh, yeah. I've always heard their name, but I don't know. I've seen them like three times. I don't even know why. I don't like them that much. You just like, but they're good. Someone got a ticket or whatever. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) But they are, I respect them. They're good. Cool. And uh, yeah, he has a studio in Los Angeles called Red Razor Sounds, uh, which is where they recorded think recorded this album perfect, perfect darkness. darkness yeah yeah in 2011 yeah um yeah so i guess i mean that was a successful album yeah. and that's what that's what i was trying to think of my notes earlier this is what i was thinking of um it garnered enough attention for them to work with the royal concertage bow don't know another word i can't okay. say okay. concert gabow okay I'm gonna double down on that one. The con- <laughs> we have to sub. It's one word: Concertgebouw Orchestra. <laughs> yeah, in Amsterdam. Okay. So cool. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just continuing to get you know deeper into his career and still garnering attention and, and yeah. praise and cl- and acclaim. Yeah. So he said they did that live, and uh, uh, he said there was 
it's like a hundred piece orchestra. He said, mm. and he said they were real nervous, like when they went on stage. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And um, he was, and they were like, uh, you know, because usually at classical concerts, there's no audience applause. They they wait until the end of the whole night to mm. like applause kind of thing. And he said they got done with their first song, and he said there was like kind of a pause like silence in the room and then all of a sudden like applause kind of thing damn and he said it was like i think it was the four thousand people in the audience as well wow 100 piece orchestra on stage four thousand in the audience and then there's like this moment where you can hear a pin drop and then applause and he said it was kind of like it was like they took a breath and he said kind of like how we took a breath after we finished the song mm-hmm. and he said it was like great we're all in the same moment now then yeah we're, we're all we're together in this kind of moment sort of thing yeah i can't imagine but, if you're yeah. waiting for yeah if the audience is waiting to applaud you're kind of just like okay i'm going to play for an hour yeah and then see what the reaction is yeah yeah and when they applaud they slowly it, get up and walk out this yeah no applause they go oh jesus oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my i mean but that's cool i mean yeah that's that's must have been an electrifying moment yeah, yeah. for for everybody in that room definitely, definitely so i mean yeah a breath yeah chill they like it yeah um so i have i found something real cool that i'd like to talk about because i don't have too much more to say i think because we've we've covered quite a lot of bases mm-hmm. yeah i think you know um, people understand who he is now yeah because of us if you haven't heard of him before and you listen to the show. <laughs> I hadn't. I'm glad you brought it up because this is cool. awesome. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? What do you got? Um, I was thinking maybe we could play like that track that you picked out from the album Hard Believer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one stuck out to me. And then we can discuss Fink's uh, top 10 writing tips. Songwriting nice. tips. I didn't see that come up anywhere. That sounds good. Yeah. I, I discovered this and I think, you know, because we like to talk about this approaches and that. It'd be like kind of cool to uh, see what you think about some of his tips and his ideas. No, that sounds fantastic. I'm sure our, our viewers would like to listen yeah. and learn how to write a song. Yeah, uh, songwriting, some inspiration, inspo right. for yeah, songwriting for expo right here. First time on Roots to Grooves. Right after this song, White Flag from the album Hard Believer by Fink. Cool. Yeah, I just love the production on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the groovy bass line, those like that haunting, piercing, um, like piano lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The keys. Yeah. Um, how it just builds into that big cacophony. Starts yeah. off real chill and slow. Yeah. You don't know what's coming. Yeah. It's like, oh great, another singer songwriter folky <laughs> song, and then you're like, whoa. That's the thing. He is a little bit um, eclectic throughout these albums. Mm-hmm. There's some interesting songs. Yeah. It's not all like 
one vibe which yeah. is really interesting like, yeah it keeps yeah. it very interesting exactly so yeah. i mean yeah i mean yeah that's thanks for playing that yeah and um, one thing i forgot to say about the album distance in time another episode crossover moment about to happen here that album was recorded produced and mixed by andy barlow from lamb nice yeah so cool there you go i did not see that either did an episode on lamb a few episodes back they got some cool stuff yeah we talked a little bit about them and and andy barlow's background as well so that's all this we're like connecting the dots i love love it it. (laughs) all of our episodes are crossover episodes we have to write we'll have we'll have to put together like a coffee table book or something like that of all of these like yeah little, little um family tree of music and it, and that's just like a partial snapshot into the oh, world we we gotta make that to a, a yearly volume or something yeah that'd it, be cool just that goes so well with the name roots yeah family tree exactly roots yeah. to grooves roots yeah family tree yeah just an idea just brainstorm think yeah. tank right now so maybe yeah if there's any uh designers or writers out in the audience that would like to collaborate we're that. talking to you we're talking to you hit us up uh roots to grooves at signalradio.com I guess this is the end. <laughs> no, not quite. The, we, no. I, I got. I got. Uh, Just kidding. These, these top ten tips. But but think. Do hit us up. But ready for the first ever Roots to Grooves music writing expose from Think. From yeah. Think. Um. Uh. So number one, this is probably a little bit maybe self evident, but nothing is ever finished. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like his, his tip there. I like that. I've heard that um, with paintings. Like it's it, right. the painting's never finished. The artist just abandons it. <laughs> abandons it. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I can't do anymore. I can't work I'm done with this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he said like you know when it's shrink shrink wrapped and on the shelves, then um, and people were listening to stuff. Then you then know, then, it, then it's effectively you know, done. Effectively done, but still um, for the artist forever. You'll, you'll still feel that way. Nothing is ever finished. Kind of sad. Yeah. Kind of beautiful. Yeah. Um, number two, there's no such thing as a demo. There's just versions. Hmm. Um, he said some of his favorite tracks of recent years have just essentially been embellished phone recordings. That's what he said. Nice. <laughs> that's honesty. So that's a good way to do it. Think about that. Um, technology. Number three, technology is not the answer. Um, he said it's a great excuse to procrastinate a couple of days away. Um, like I'm bored of all my synth sounds, but when it comes to the graft of writing a song, you know, that stuff is not really integral to like the the composition and the arrangement of a song. Mm-hmm. Those are just like things to dress up the song with. True, kind of yeah. Thing. So again, yeah, yeah, nice distinction between the, yeah. the, the beat yeah. mm-hmm. and the music and the song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Which I've heard other people say before as well, like, you know, a song should be able to just stand up by itself to be played on any instrument and mm-hmm. you can still get that concept across it's not really about the it's like you were saying on a previous episode it's like when we think about some of the the biggest tracks or the think songs of our time you know people don't remember the sound of the recording or unless you're a deep music head musician or whatever like you know most people just remember the song that yes. they can sing sort of right 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 so, they're yeah. like mutually exclusive i always yeah. think about the abc's yeah. A, B, C, D. Like, that's a song, <laughs> but it doesn't have a beat attached to it. But <laughs> any musician would be able to, like, oh, I know those chords. I can yeah. play that song. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, number four, three chords and the truth. And uh, what he means by this, he said, musicians are not actors. 
pop stars can maybe fake it till they make it. But um, he said, uh, you have to draw on your own experiences and feelings. Um, what artists want is realness. To shake off what you think about yourself and what others will think and really, really have a word with yourself. So truth, I guess. But he phrased that in an interesting way. Three chords and the truth. Yeah, that's, that's so, great. I like yeah, that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, number five, a deadline is just a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, watch out there. That Depending on who you're working with. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Um, oh, I'll just read what you said about it. Deadlines are just another of life's pressures. They stop the inspirado train dead in the tra- dead in its tracks the inspirado train nice good uh, visual um sometimes spending 10 hours doing nothing is just the preparation a song needs for the next 40 minutes if you write one line of a great song in a day that's a great day a chorus a fantastic day life's pressures need to be managed but you can't diarize inspiration diarize mm, inspiration. He's great vocab in this guy <sighs> yeah lyricists um number six beware the well uh in the early days i would lower myself down into a deep well to find those moments that meant something remembering snippets of conversations and warped memories of conversations i wish i'd had um uh the tricky thing is to get back out to real life where maybe you can't wander around like a depressed zombie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's interesting i have one note about that that i i failed to say earlier yeah. um one thing that i saw in one of his interviews um what is he 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 was describing like songwriting sometimes you need to you need to put yourself in a a stormy state of mind like mm-hmm. an emotional place and like let yourself go there mm. um in order to and then and figure out how to get yourself out but he'll like go to these places in his head kind of like what you're just describing yeah. to to get these songs yeah. to get that strong deep emotion that realness that connection yeah. and then you know out of this you know crevice of your mind of mm-hmm. memories or whatever of emotions mm-hmm. feelings and then you know dig that song out yeah. and you know there you go yeah sometimes that's hard yeah i mean another a quick thing um that he said doing what you want to do forces you to do things on your own yeah. So just kind of touching on how he's, yeah, yeah. I don't know, kind of like a method actor becomes the part, the role. Yeah. Um, in order to be a good character in a movie, mm-hmm. I feel like he kind of does that and kind of he'll he'll become sad for a little bit, <laughs> or become emotional yeah. in order to write a song, mm. to, to write a real song, not just oh, yeah. phone it in. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Just have that emotion. Yeah, like a true emotion, something he actually relates to and connects with, and hopefully other people do as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where he gets a lot of his, you know, uh, communi- communication done. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's like real emotion. Right. And that's what he's bringing to the table. So awesome yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, number seven, music as therapy. Um, yeah, writing songs to yourself or others is a great trick. All my early work was really genuine because I couldn't afford a therapist. <laughs> so they were all letters to myself. I needed to work things through and in the process find truths about things that my natural self would just bury. Music is everybody's therapy, so primarily it should be yours. Nice. Very yeah. elegant. Very nice, yeah. Um, number eight, your idols were right. 
Um, there was a blank piece of paper in front of David Bowie, and then by the end of the day, it had ground control to maybe Tom written on it. Um, and he said, his point is, uh, when I want my song to get a kick up the arse, I listen to Ben Howard or Bon Iver or one of those country greats to remind me craft and graft. Be patient. No one is waiting for an average song. Hmm. Nice. Uh, True. Yeah. Actually, incidentally, um, I uh, it was just came to me randomly today, but on on YouTube, uh, it was a short fifteen minute clip of Paul McCartney talking about songwriting, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, like kind of it, it's yeah when I, when I this thing that reminded me of that when he said no one is waiting for an average song, Fink said that um, Paul McCartney was basically saying. You know, back in those days, they'd have a week to like write and record a Beatles album, and you know, and he said back then they were just trying to write hits, mm-hmm. like because you know they weren't really thinking about albums as a body of work. They were thinking about how many hits can we write, and you know, which ones might get pulled off as singles, kind of thing. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and he said in the Beatles it was like great because they had like basically five people to sign off on everything. You know, so if those five people didn't like it. You know, uh, then that would be the decision before anyone else got to hear it. Right. So, Already going through five different people, yeah, yeah. vetting it out. So obviously, four Beatles and then the, the producer, he counted as the fifth person. Was his oh. name George? George Martin. George Martin, yeah. Yeah, it's the fifth Beatle. Legend. Yeah. yeah. They're all legends. Um, number nine from Fink on songwriting tips You can't always get what you want. Isn't that a Beatles song? That's, that's Rolling Stones. <laughs> Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> he just stole that. <laughs> I've heard that before. Uh, songwriters are a dime a dozen, and a lot of them are terrible because in theory it's easy. Um, but that's the thing. If it was so easy, then I would have already done it, and I wouldn't be available to write this, write this list, as he meant. Um, it's not easy to write a good song. It's really rare that you would write a great song, and you have to be at peace with that. Mm-hmm. So you can't nice. always get what you want um, out of a song. Like, yeah, it's kind of all of these are very into interwoven concepts. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, really, he didn't like, just jot these down in five seconds. No, exactly. Like, yeah, like he's these, been thinking these about really it. makes sense. <laughs> and yeah, it's really valid. That's great. Um, you got one more, two more, ten. The last one. Um, he, he it just says here's one from back in the day. I read a lot, I really do, a lot of philosophy and history. It gives my mind color and perspective, and I recommend it highly. With that in mind, in the 4th century BC, there was this Chinese guy who said, and he's paraphrasing, art made with anxiety for the result is inferior to art made without anxiety. Hmm, I like that. Yeah. I wonder who said that. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Some Chinese guy in the 4th century BC. Some random Chinese guy. (laughs) um yeah yeah that's the thing that's, right uh, that's awesome that's really great having having anxiety about the outcome or what's going to come of this is is not as good as just letting yourself be free right and just yeah it feels much more that. insecure yeah. and the, wh- why am i even doing this am yeah. i writing this song for a payday right that's what yeah i have to put emotion into this so i can get money yeah that's yeah, no yeah. it's not fake it's not, i mean that is fake that is fake yeah it's not <laughs> Not a genuine yeah it's not motivation. genuine yeah yeah so write it for the emotion and that's what i'm saying this guy has a lot of integrity yeah for songwriting yeah. and and not only integrity but perseverance to 
yeah. go that extra mile yeah. to get something real instead of phoning it in for a payday. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that was great. That's some that's good insight right there. Some inspiration for any songwriters that may be out there. First, first song. Yeah, songwriting expose here on Mr. Grooves. Hope yeah. everybody enjoyed that. That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up. I didn't see that anywhere. Found it right at the last minute, and I was like, well, shit, I got, I got to talk about so this. Throw it in. <laughs> yeah. Throw it in there. No, I think that was great. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Um, and I guess the final thing is I saw some interviews of them talking about COVID and all that, because mm. um, we don't really hear too many people... Well, we've mentioned a few. That's kind of interesting about this show as well, actually. We we started doing this throughout the beginnings of COVID. Right, yeah. So into that's... Into the midst of it. And it was a little bit interwoven into yeah, our viewpoint. Yeah, and getting some, like, fresh perspective from, like, latest interviews from some of the artists we're covering and that. And I, I saw some stuff with Fink. Um, so he brought up, like, the travel was, like, a weird thing for him because he said he's constantly going on the move like in normal times kind of thing right and he currently lives in berlin actually like he has a studio out there cool and uh and he was like yeah to be spending six months in one place he said he hasn't done that since he was maybe in his early 20s or something Damn. and he said even back then he was traveling on the weekends to go dj somewhere sort of thing so i think that's what really struck him as like um you know having your Basically, everything that you normally have go on cancelled and paused. Right. And then you suddenly, you're in one place for all this time and you have all this time on your hands. Um, and so he's been looking, he's been like started to do collaborations with people that he'd wanted to do stuff with for a long time but couldn't because he'd be on tour and stuff like that. So he's found a way to use this time to like, yeah, get those collaborations going and He's like good. producing a new artist in Berlin and stuff like that. So making the most of yeah. of yeah. his surroundings and his yeah. his state yeah. of being. Certainly. That's great. I but, love it. Yeah. So we all we all gotta adapt. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta do what you can with what you got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only constant is change. Change is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> a thing that's constantly gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. Count on it. Count on it. It's the only thing you can count on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Well, that's cool. all I got on Fink. Yeah, yeah. It was a good episode. Some yeah. Interesting things there. Interesting guy. Interesting Great guy. music. Yeah. Very good music. I still got some a lot of stuff. I couldn't listen to all his twenty albums or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially the live ones I'd be interested in hearing. Yeah, big catalogue to go back and listen mm-hmm. to there. For yeah. sure. So yeah. good stuff. Start start anywhere, but I would start at the beginning of this guy's career. Yeah, the first album's really good. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the second album, but the the reset album. For Biscuit. those of us who yeah. who know about the first one. Biscuits for breakfast. That's a really good. Yeah, and then it's just pretty much solid and I would say consistent, but I mean consistently good, but it's but it But he, he's but still it, progressing he, and he's still changing growing. things up and yeah. There's some live albums out there, there's some orchestra things happening. Uh there's a lot of great clips, performance clips on YouTube as well to check out. So yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess I mean 2021. This is the 15th anniversary of Biscuits for Breakfast. Is it? So, wow. yeah. Congratulations, Fink. Oh, side note: today, day of recording, uh, which is the 30th of July, uh, apparently is the 20th anniversary of the Strokes' first album. Oh, I think I saw that. Is this yeah. it? Yeah. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. Everyone should listen to that today, especially if you haven't listened to it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that was also the last uh, live show before lockdown that I saw. Uh, Same. The Strokes. Yeah. Same, right? March, I think it was March 9th. Something like that. It was kind of like people wearing masks at the mm -hmm. venue. It was like, is this a thing? It was there were, I mean, we were sitting on the edge right there. Yeah, yeah, we were sitting on the bar watching yeah. people line up yeah. across the street wondering if, if, if it still might get canceled tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, should we go? <laughs> people yeah. are lining up. Yeah, yeah. Love the so. Strokes. Yeah. They're like my number one. Yeah, that's an excellent album. Um, yeah, and I, I, I was as part of the article I was reading about that. They were saying people like um, Noel Gallagher from Oasis were like really praising that when it first came out as like guitar music is like mm -hmm. still going strong. Um, I th Ig Iggy Pop was like was really into them as well. Like nice. They were both side stage at some big festival in the UK. I think it's easy to get caught up in how much it's it is guitar music, but it's not just it's it's like refined. It's the way they yeah. the way it's produced, you know, in stereo with their two guitarists, yeah, yeah. a bass and a drum, yeah. and uh vocalist. Yeah. It's like a, it's orchestrated. Yeah. And yeah. that that's one of the reasons why I, why I really love it besides the general vibe and the music and the groove. Yeah. It's cuz it's orchestrated so finely and acutely. And it comes across really cool, yeah, even yeah, if the, their vibe is kind of hazy, mm -hmm. vague rock. Yeah, like yeah. some of it, even the, play that first song off "Is This It," and it sounds just kind of lazy hmm. and chill. Yeah. Like okay, yeah. compared to a lot of the you know, compared to like Avicii or something like that, it's like whoa, yeah. it's a pretty big difference there. And yeah. if you compare those strokes, are going to sound old fashioned. Yeah, but I think it's still pretty, pretty hard hitting. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Obviously, I, I'm biased. I love it. No, I recommend I it though. I do as well. I think I think they, especially that album is, you know, going to be listened to for years. Oh, it's so a classic it, now, right? Yeah, yeah I think sure. it's like a genuine classic. Yeah. So if you haven't heard it, highly recommend it. Yeah. 20th anniversary, you said. I think so. Yeah. 20, yeah. Nice. Yeah. 2001. Um, because also they said the vinyl version dropped on 9/11. Mm. The, the actual day that 9-11 happened no yeah i remember yeah, that is 20 yeah, yeah. um 2001 because there was yeah. a song on that record um new york city cops right yeah kind of a political album obviously yeah. new york city cops and they're bashing those cops yeah, yeah. obviously they they didn't put that on because of 9-11 yeah they pulled it last minute i think yeah that. and which uh, is it's a great song it's like a a deep cut stroke song that's one of their best yeah didn't make it on the album yeah, yeah. so i mean that's on youtube or it's it's everywhere else besides yeah. that album i also heard the uh they had to change the album cover for the states because it was too scandalous or whatever yeah the like it's just a black glove hand on a on a lady's torso or something like that yeah the, it was like a side view of her hip yeah, like yeah. hand kind of on her hip yeah, yeah you know a little racy yeah but nothing too crazy like, no, there's nothing. I mean, there's a Metallica album cover that is just blood and semen. Like that's disgusting. That is disgusting. But that's way like, more graphic. <laughs> exactly. I, we shouldn't. Why? Why is everyone so scared of a, a naked human? Like exactly. It's not being depicted in any weird way or something. It's weird how we we're happy to have that on an album cover. Right. Yeah. But not just people wear bikinis out here. Like we're humans. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not weird. Well, but anyway, side story. Uh, well, it's funny because I don't know if this really connects, but uh, the last track I'm going to play for Think, our outro track, is Bloom Innocent. So, oh, nice. From the album Bloom Innocent. So you talk about 
people being a bit prudish of uh, they're saying uh, I'm, I don't know if I, I don't think that's what Fink is talking about, but just the title, just to no, that's right. Seemed, uh, appropriate that was for a great a segue Jay. Right there. <laughs> that's what makes you a great radio dj Ooh, maybe nice yeah uh cool yeah fink fink this is the fink episode and we're done thanks yeah. everybody for tuning in yeah thanks a lot and uh we'll be back next time i'm gonna play this track it's the first track from his last full-length album from 2019 bloom innocent and uh yeah it's rooster grooves at signalradio.com s-i-g-n-l radio.com Questions, comments, concerns. <laughs> we hope that someone, someone should be concerned about us. I would hope. I hope so. Because I'm concerned for us, <laughs> if nobody else is. Good All night right. and good luck. Not a single cloud. The sky tonight endless it's endless I don't wanna live my life with my feet on the ground Just looking at it Just looking at it Neither do you know Neither do you Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio for more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.